Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable. I'm your host Isabella Gosling and I am so excited to be back in your ears for another season of Let's Talk Period or just be in your ears in general if you are new here. If you are, welcome. Happy 2022. I am really excited for a new season of Let's Talk Period to change up the format a little bit and deliver two episodes a week. Um, So on Mondays, there will be a lovely solo episode, a 10 to 15 minute with tips, tricks, info about topics relating to endo, adeno, PCOS or periods. And then Wednesday will be the original interview content that you know and love with thought leaders in the health space. So I'm so excited to bring you that. Today's episode isn't an interview though. It's actually all about my endo journey uh, and my adeno journey. And I hate the word journey, but what else do you call it? So a little bit of a different one today, but uh, I asked on Instagram a while ago if people would actually be interested in hearing about my my journey to diagnosis, my the time it took to get diagnosed, etc. Uh, and the answer was a resounding yes. So I thought, right, okay, uh, I'm going to do this. Let's actually do it. So today is that day. Uh, I really hope you enjoy the episode. I talk about what it was like when I first started experiencing symptoms, um, the journey it took to see four doctors to actually get someone to listen, being misdiagnosed, uh, and how I'm managing now as well. So I go through it all. Um, I really hope you enjoy this episode. It is a little bit different and I am being very vulnerable and open and that's nerve wracking and scary. So Uh, Let's just dive right in. Here is me. Let's do it. Okay, so my journey with endo or adeno really started back in 2008, I guess. That was sort of my first memory of experiencing pain with my period and heavy bleeding and Before then, I don't really remember having any pain or symptoms or anything like that. Um, So in 2008, I would have been about 14. So I've been, yeah, experiencing symptoms since about 14 years old. And it took until I was uh, 20, about to turn 21, to get an answer for what was going on. So that's just the short of it. But I thought... I'd start at the very start. So I got my period when I was about 12. Uh, I was in year seven. So that was still um, primary school for Queensland. And I remember we'd just come back from PE and it was a long jump. We were doing athletics. And so I remember not feeling too amazing and just feeling a bit like yuck um, in my undies for lack of a better word. And I went to the bathroom after PE and there was blood in my underwear. So that was super fun. I then had to muster up the courage to tell my year seven teacher what was going on. Thankfully, she was a girl and I did feel comfortable to tell her. And so then we made the awkward trip to the deputy principal's office because that's where all of the pads were kept. And I went to the bathroom and just had to put a pad on top of my undies that were already um, covered in blood. But anyway, I guess they weren't covered, but you know, they still have blood on them. 
And then from there, I went home and had to tell my mum. And so I was like, mum, I've got my period. And she was like, oh, you're a woman now. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. This is amazing. Uh, You know, this is the start of really like you becoming a woman now. And then from there, mum was actually really sweet. And she went out and bought me a ring with a purple stone in it. So an amethyst um, love heart to symbolize the occasion. So (laughs) mum was very pro periods, which was lovely. And even though I was an awkward 12 year old, it was still like a nice thing to receive. Um, And yeah, so from about 12 to like 14, nothing really remarkable to report. And then I just sort of started to feel uh, this pain every month. And it was the week before my period, I would get this really horrible back pain. And I just knew that, yeah, okay, my period's coming next week. And then it would be just really lower back pain. It would subside after a couple of days and then a week later, my period would be there. Uh, And then that started coupling with ovulation pain as well. And so every, you know, middle of my cycle, I would have eight hours of just excruciating hip pain, either on my left or right side, depending which side I was ovulating. And it would just be the worst eight hours until that egg had passed through and then it was just like a massive relief and that was you know I didn't think there was anything really wrong with that um I didn't tell anybody about that really so I just kept going on and then I started to actually get pain with my period and needing to sleep on a towel Uh, because my period was getting heavier and I was starting to bleed through onto my sheets at night and onto my clothes, like my pajamas and just was not a good time. And so yeah, mum recommended sleeping on a towel and she said that's something she used to have to do. And, um, yeah, she used to have periods that were quite heavy and this is just what it could be like for us. Um, you know, that's just something that we have to sort of navigate and that's part of being a woman and it wasn't until uh, I was about in year 10 or so that mum had really mentioned that like she's like oh you know I hope you don't have endometriosis because uh, she was a nurse and she'd heard about endo before and she thought look I hope you don't have that because that doesn't that's not a nice thing to have and I you know didn't really give it a second thought I had never heard of that word before and I was like yeah yeah whatever I'm sure it's not I'm sure I'm fine uh, and it just sort of started to get progressively worse and uh, the awkward school skirt checks that we know and love just to check there's no blood on our skirts walking around um, and you know I ended up having one of those awkward school skirt times where I did bleed through onto my school skirt. Um, Picture a beautiful teal colored skirt and it was the last class of the day, thankfully. But oh my gosh, I was in English in year 10. So sorry to my year 10 English teacher. And I waited till the end of the day and... um, Well, I didn't wait till the end of the day. I waited till the end of the lesson and I was the last person to put my chair up on top of my desk. And then I quickly made my way out of there. And oh my gosh, I was mortified because I didn't have anything to clean the blood up off the chair because I'd bled through onto the chair and I didn't, 
want to draw attention to myself further. So I just like left, which is, you know, sorry, everybody. Um, but I didn't really know what else to do. And then I did my classic like schoolgirl r- jump around the waist till I made it um, to the train station, had to walk there and then hop on the train for an hour. So that was, you know, macho fun. And then um, I was staying at my dad's place and my stepmom was like, oh, did you get blood on your skirt today? And I was like, no, it's actually chocolate. Like one of the boys threw some chocolate and it hit and, um, you know, trying to fool her because I didn't want people to know that I'd bled through onto my school skirt. But you know, there's no fooling parents. They know what's up. So anyway, um, she was like, oh yeah, okay, righto. Trying to like just go along with my story, but she knew. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I started to bleed through onto my school skirt. That only happened once, thankfully. Um, And yeah, so it just wasn't getting better. And then I started having pain more regularly. And so I'd be feeling really nauseous when I was on my period and just not feeling well. Like I'd feel so nauseous that I felt like I was going to vomit. I'd be in so much pain. And so I went to the GP finally uh, because I thought, look, this is not normal. Like none of my friends seem to be, you know, almost vomiting when they're on their period. So why is this happening for me? Um, And so went went to the GP and they offered me the pill and I thought, okay, great. Like this is amazing. I can skip my period and I don't have to deal with any of the symptoms and it's going to be all, uh, all good from there on. So that was a really good solution and option for me for a while. And for about two years that actually worked and I was able to skip my period every month. However, that started to stop working and in about 2012 I started to have breakthrough bleeding and that pain started to return and I was bleeding more often than I wasn't bleeding and I had to call in sick to work. I was studying and I'd be skipping uni because I really didn't feel well. I was just not having a good time at all really. Um, So I was in bed a lot and It was just a really hard time and I didn't know what was going on, but I went back to the GP and asked to be referred to an obstetrician gynecologist because mum said, look, really, I think this could be endo. Um, I really think like it needs somebody more specialized to look into it. And I had no idea back then that there were different doctors for endo or different treatments for endo or anything I literally just only knew the word and I knew that whatever it was it wasn't good um and I just knew that I was in a lot of pain and I was feeling really unwell on my period I was like feeling so nauseous I was in so much pain I was losing so much blood and it was just horrible and so I finally got a referral to see a gynecologist and I went and saw my first gynecologist and that was in 2013. So it took another year um, to see somebody. So that was um, a person who they were lovely, but they didn't offer surgery. And so they then had to refer me to another person. So they referred me to another gynecologist who did actually do surgery. Um, And she 
just said, look, I think it could be endo. So just mention that when you go and see the new specialist. So I went and saw the second specialist and they were like, oh, you know, it could be endo. We'll have a look. We'll go in there and we'll see. And so um, we booked in to do the laparoscopy and such. So, but firstly, they wanted to do an internal. Um, so that was very uncomfortable as a 19 year old having to go through that alone. Um, yeah, it was just, I didn't really know what to expect. He didn't explain it very well. And then he just kept telling me to relax while I was already stressed and I was experiencing pain almost every day at that point. I was in pain all the time, like pelvic wise, my muscles were just in, it was just so tense and tender and I didn't know it, but I had vaginismus as well, but you know, that's something to reflect on there. But it was just the most awkward experience having that internal examination done for no result because he couldn't see anything there anyway. And then we went ahead with the laparoscopy um, and that was um, inconclusive, which was really disappointing. He didn't find any signs of endometriosis, um, according to him. And he actually said straight after my surgery, came out to see me when I was out of recovery and in the second part of recovery and said, look, we didn't find endo, but you do have pelvic inflammatory disease. So um, I've given you a script for antibiotics. You'll need to take those. Um, You know, you usually get pelvic inflammatory disease as an STD. So how many people have you slept with? And, you know, I was 19, I'd just woken up from surgery, I had my mum beside me, and it was the most uncomfortable question to be asked. And I said, well, I've only slept with one person, I've had sex with my partner, who I'd been with for a number of years at that point. And he was like, yeah, okay, but like, how many people has your partner slept with? You know, he could be cheating on you. You know, you don't know, your partner could be cheating on you, and like, they could have given you PID from this. So, you know, just be careful. And so then I've just woken up from surgery and I'm hit with this. And then I feel embarrassed and ashamed because I think I have this STD or this pelvic inflammatory disease. And he said, look, the antibiotics will fix it. Come and see me and we'll review. And so I was taking the antibiotics and recovering from the laparoscopy, which was really difficult because I had none of the tips and tricks that I do now. And that shoulder pain was just intense. Like, oh my gosh, it was painful. But anyway, um, I made it through and I was recovering from the laparoscopy and I went back for my follow-up appointment and he was like, look, so yeah, no endo, PID though. So, you know, your uterus was really inflamed and red and it, uh, you know, your ovary was actually stuck to your pelvic wall. So I moved, I detached that and set it back into place. Um, you know, look, PID can cause infertility. So you're probably going to have problems falling pregnant. I don't need to see you again. Just come back and see me when you're ready to do IVF because you're going to need IVF to have a baby. And I'd really recommend doing that sooner rather than later because, you know, you might not be able to have children ever. So you and your partner should really consider having children, you know, now. And (laughs) that was a lot to be hit with as a 19 year old who was studying full time, I was in my second year of my teaching degree 
and I wasn't even able to go to class all the time because I was so unwell and then I'm being hit with the fact that I should be trying to start a family when I've got no money and I'm living in a rental and it was just a lot to deal with and I did not manage that very well at all and then I was left with not very many answers because after that surgery, I was still in so much pain all of the time. My symptoms were getting worse. I was skipping even more uni. I would be sitting in the bathroom at work because I just needed to go to have money. I'd do what I could at work and then I'd sit in the bathroom for like half an hour and just breathe so I wouldn't pass out and I'd feel so nauseous and it was just a horrific time. So I went back to my GP yet again and I asked to see another gynecologist because I thought, look, something is wrong. These antibiotics did not fix PID or whatever it is that's going on with me. So I really want to see somebody else. And so I saw yet another gynecologist and I was in with them for 10 minutes and it was the most heartbreaking appointment because they just said, look, okay, let's switch your pill again and come back and see me in three months. And I just got in the car and I absolutely sobbed. I remember and then I called my mom and I just was like, how am I meant to live like this for another three months? And like, it was an absolute breaking point. Like I just remember that day still in my head and it was just so disheartening again that I was going to have to wait even longer to try and get more answers. And I just don't, like, I don't know how I would have managed if I did end up doing that because, oh my gosh, it was just such a horrific time. And I just thought, look, no, I can't wait another three months. And so then I started searching endo more seriously and I found a Facebook group because good old Facebook. And I joined this endo Facebook group and I was reading and then I mustered up the courage to post about my symptoms what I was experiencing and a little bit about what I'd been through. And I just said, look, is there anybody who actually has experience in this? Is there someone that I can see in Brisbane uh, who knows what they're talking about and could help because this is just, you know, this is horrible. I'm not living at all. This is just surviving and it was just horrific. So I got the name for a specialist from that group and I'll be forever grateful for that group and went back to my GP yet again and then I asked to be referred to this specialist. So my fourth specialist uh, and then I made an appointment and saw them. And so that was right before I turned 21. So it was July of 2015. I went and saw my fourth gynecologist to get um, information, answers, have someone help me. And so I had an appointment with them on the Monday of that week and told them what I was experiencing. I brought along the photos from my surgery and they were like, yeah, this is, this looks like endometriosis, like from what you're describing, um, I can see clear nodules of endo in these pictures. So I'm not sure why they said you didn't have endo, but we'll go in and we'll have a look and we'll, we'll go from there. And it was just the first time that I really felt validated and like somebody had actually listened to me. They weren't really brushing off my concerns and they were going to listen and do something. And so I had surgery Wednesday that week. So 
I had a day to prepare and get organized and I woke up from that procedure from my laparoscopy and he'd found endo and it was the most bittersweet news but I was just so relieved because I honestly started to think that maybe I was crazy and maybe this was all in my head because I'd had people tell me like, are you sure that it's not all in your head? Like, you know, you can't be this sick and this unwell all the time. And I had lost my relationship at that point and, you know, silly teenage relationship, but, you know, that was still a hard thing to go through because they said that I was sick all the time and he didn't want to be with me because he was sick of me being sick, which isn't very nice, but that's okay. (laughs) That is what it is. But I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I am sick all the time. Maybe it's not real. Maybe I am going crazy. Maybe, you know, and then you start to doubt yourself. And so having that person say, no, you actually do have endo was just so, such a relief. And it just really validated that, you know, there was something actually wrong and there was a reason for what I was feeling. And then he also said, you have adenomyosis as well. Um, which I'd never ever heard of then and I was like what on earth is that and so he was like so it just basically means like you've got a bulky uterus it's quite large and that's all he went into post-op because you know I was on all of the post-op pain meds still in recovery and um, yeah so I, I got a diagnosis finally and it was just such a relief and so I had Um, at that point two IUDs put in and was using um, the contraceptive pill to manage those symptoms as well as excision surgery because uh, because I actually understood that there was a difference and I didn't realize the difference between ablation and excision at the very start obviously and uh, my doctor the first time or my second doctor technically my second specialist he said that he'd burnt some little bits of you know he didn't really know what it was here or there um and you know it should be all good and so I don't know how they didn't know that that was an endometriosis but anyway um yeah so my doctor excised the endo I had the two IUDs to manage and I also had the um contraceptive pill that I was taking continuously as well and post recovery phase like it was you know again that week of not being able to do a lot sleeping a lot having that shoulder pain um you know not being able to drive and then just really taking it really easily and that's really hard for me but anyway I made it through that and I started to feel so much better um except I was still experiencing pelvic pain regularly not as regularly and not as intensely as what it used to be but I was like why am I still experiencing this pain after I've had successful excision surgery like what is going on and so Uh, I was recommended to go and see a pelvic physiotherapist and I am just so grateful that I did because they are actual angels and I worked with a pelvic physiotherapist pretty consistently for about six to eight months and they were able to tell me that my pelvic floor was just so overactive and I had 
increased hypersensitivity in my pelvic floor and my pelvic girdle muscles just due to all of those years of bracing and tensing and being in that pain that my body just had come to expect it. And so it was about six to eight months of really regular physio to retrain that pelvic floor, relax and release those muscles. And it was a lot of internal work and then internal work at home as well with um, wands and then also the fizzy balls as well, just to um, do some really gentle release on my um, fascia. And so that was just a really helpful thing. And that's something I always recommend to people, no matter what, I always say, go see a pelvic physio because it just changed my life as well. And so that was really great. And then I moved out West for my first teaching job. I'd finished uni at the end of 2016. I was feeling so much better. I wasn't bleeding all the time. I wasn't in pain all the time and I could actually have my life back. Um, And so when I was out West, uh, I was managing like, okay, there wasn't much in the way of services for health because it was a very rural town. Um, They had a physio and my pelvic physio just suggested that I go there and see what they were like. Um, they they didn't really do a lot. Um, they said, look, you know, they they were like, oh, I can tape your back. And so that could help your back pain. And so I got my back taped. And yeah, that was really all they were helpful for. So I didn't really see them again because it wasn't really the same level that I'd been used to from the pelvic physio I was seeing. And so I sort of let that go to the wayside. Um, And that was really the only service, like they had GPs there, but the GPs would change all the time. And when I'd go to get a script filled, I'd have to actually explain what endometriosis and adenomyosis was to the GPs out there because they had never heard it before. And yeah, so there just wasn't a lot of services out there. But anyway, I managed the best I could and I'd still drive the three hours to see my specialist in Brisbane. And um, I started experiencing really intense shooting pain up my vagina and in my rectum again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just had that relief like you know, just under two years ago, I've just had that surgery. Why is this coming back again? What is going on? And so I ended up going for an MRI and it was found that my um, IUDs had moved out of place and that was what was causing the pain. So I had a hysteroscopy in 2017 to pop new um, marinas in and they stayed in place the second time, thankfully. And I didn't have that sharp shooting pain anymore um, because that was just horrific. And trying to teach while having that pain was just not a good time at all. Um, so I had that procedure. Um, the recovery was much quicker because it was just a quick hysteroscopy. So there was no gas involved or anything. So um, that was, you know, nothing really to note, which was good. Uh, and then, yeah, from 2017 to about 2020, I was able to have a relatively normal 
existence, for lack of a better word. I was managing with seeing my pelvic physio was really helpful, like I said, and I was seeing, um, I saw an acupuncturist and that was beneficial for a bit. And I saw a dietitian and then I saw a naturopath and I didn't see all of these people at the same time, but I just sort of saw people as they were kind of a priority for me in different phases of my uh, journey, for lack of a better word. And um, because otherwise it would just be way too expensive and having a chronic illness is expensive enough. So Um, seeing those people on when I wanted to focus on different things. And until, yeah, 2020, I was managing really well. And then I started experiencing that bleeding again and that breakthrough bleeding. And so that was, how old was I? This is a fun game. Um, 2020, I would have been about 26, I think, off the top of my head, 20. Five. Oh, well, anyway, so uh, I had another laparoscopy at the very start of last year in 2021, just because those symptoms were um, starting to come back again. And I was experiencing that pain more regularly in my pelvis on the right side. And I just knew something was up. And I just was like, look, it's been five years since I've had a laparoscopy and had anything checked out. So I just feel like this pain's come back for a reason, something needs to be done and my specialist was 100% on board and so I went back in for my third laparoscopy at the start of last year and uh, new endo had been found so that was really um, disheartening to hear that but that was excised as well and it was found near my bladder and my bowel and so that that explained some of the other symptoms I was having because I started to have bowel symptoms and I was getting um, really increased urination and just endo just impacts so many facets of your life Um, but so that was able to be removed thankfully and uh, I was also found that my adenomyosis had progressed so Um, the appearance of my uterus that was looking a little more angry and um, inflamed. And so from there, I had my marina switched over and I had two new ones popped in and continuing to take the pill. And I found that really beneficial um, throughout. Like I know the marina is not for everyone and I never pushed contraception or hormonal therapies on anybody. This is just what I've found that's worked for me. Um, people either love or hate the marina, but I've found it beneficial for me personally. Um, so that's just been my experience with that. Um, so from last year after my laparoscopy, I was seeing a pelvic, um, not a pelvic person. I was seeing an osteopath and I found them really helpful, um, they were able to just release and relax my muscles and I found it just really beneficial and yeah so that was just something I was doing and that was really helpful I found and so again just another person to add to my toolkit of people who've helped me throughout and it's just that's how I've sort of been managing finding those people in what I need in that moment and 
Um, I saw a nutritionist for a bit as well, just to really uh, fine tune what I was eating because I just found that I was starting to get those symptoms of um, bloating and things like bowel, those bowel symptoms as well. And so trying to work with them to figure out what was going on there was really helpful. Um, so that's sort of up until last year. I'm really happy to report that like since January last year when I had my surgery to January now, it has been so much better. Like I still get occasional lower right back pain or lower right hip pain and that's just generally due to where my um, endo was located I've got scar tissue there and adhesions and so that can be like painful at times but other than that I'm living a mostly normal life thankfully and I just look back on that poor girl who was having such a hard time and getting people to listen to her they just they, they just wouldn't and it took so long to get answers but I'm really thankful that I pushed through and continued to get a second opinion a third opinion a fourth opinion until I finally found somebody who listened and took me seriously and I got those answers because I don't know what would have happened if I didn't get those answers because it was a really, really hard time for a very long time. And I know that it's the same story for so many others and it's just not not good enough. And so that's really what led me to starting Let's Talk Period. Um, if I didn't have endo or adeno, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. I wouldn't be here helping other people. So I am grateful to having endo and adeno in a really weird way, but it's led me to having some incredible friends and people that I would have never met if it wasn't for these conditions. So in a way, like I said, I am grateful to have them because they have brought me some amazing things, even though they have been incredibly horrific at the same time. Um, But yeah, my sort of words of advice or, you know, things that I would say to you is like back up, back up yourself, uh, believe in yourself, you know, you know your body, keep fighting. Like it took me four people to get someone to listen. So if you're not happy with the care you're receiving, go and see somebody else. Somebody will listen to you. So keep fighting and it shouldn't have to be a fight people should just listen to you the first time you go but you know keep going it is so worth it um find those people who are there for you who know what's going on with you and know how to support you Uh, I'm so thankful for the people that I have in my life now who are so understanding and they know like if my fatigue levels are really high because that's something that I can struggle with is fatigue still that, you know, you might just want to do a hang at home or um, something not as intense and just so understanding and kind and thoughtful. So find those people who are there to support you and that could be online friends. You know, if 2020 taught us anything and the two years since is that, online is really powerful and some of the people that I've met online through Instagram through Let's Talk Period are just absolutely incredible people and 
yeah, they're there for you no matter what. So find those people, keep pushing for answers and speak up because for so long these conditions weren't talked about and nobody knew what endo was. I had no idea what it was. I had never heard of adenomyosis before. When I got diagnosed and I was trying to tell people what I had, they would scrunch up their face and be like, oh, what? Like, And then I'd be telling them about the symptoms because I was trying to explain what it was and it was to do with periods and it was to do with, uh, you know, your vulva and your vagina and your uterus and those are things that are not spoken about and you shouldn't be talking about those things. And that's why these conditions have lived on in silence for so long because people are uncomfortable and they don't want to talk about them. But it's just, you know, having that brave and having that brave, having that ability to be brave and be vulnerable and just, you know, say, no, I am going to talk about these things because they deserve to be spoken about. One in 10 people assigned female at birth are living with endo. Similar statistics for adenomyosis. That's really not okay to have that many people walking around with these conditions and have people who've never heard of them and don't know the extent of these diseases and how much they impact people's lives. So keep talking, bring awareness to the conditions and I hope that you've, you know, taken something from this story from me. I hope that it's been helpful um, and that I haven't rambled on too much. Uh, if you have any questions at all, please send me a message on Instagram or send me an email at hello, um, hello at letstalkperiod.com.au. Um, if there's anything else that I've missed in my sort of story that you have questions about that you'd like me to cover in another episode, let me know. Uh, I'm more than happy to chat through anything. Um, so yeah, I hope you found this episode helpful and I am really excited to be back in your ears on Monday with a brand new mini episode. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period. I really appreciate it, especially because it is this different format um, being an interview with myself technically. Uh, if you do want to keep updated with all things Let's Talk Period and you don't already follow over on Instagram, we are at uh, let's talk period au or if you do want to follow my personal instagram account it it's i underscore gosling and if you did enjoy this episode and you do want to support the show it would be absolutely amazing if you could uh, follow if you're listening on apple or spotify or leaving a nice little review if you are listening on apple Podcasts. this does just help to find um, new listeners and tell people about the show uh, Spotify have also introduced ratings over the little holiday break so if you want to rate the show on Spotify that would be absolutely incredible and just tell people about how much you love Let's Talk period. Um, if you did find this episode helpful and you know somebody that might benefit from it please send it on to a friend, a family member, whoever might be interested. Um, this just really helps to build the beautiful Let's Talk period podcast community and if you haven't joined the Facebook group already, it is linked in the show notes. It's Let's Talk Period Community on Facebook. And it's just a place for like-minded people who are living with endo, adeno, PCOS or a chronic illness to connect, ask questions, get support. And it's just a really beautiful place with lovely Let's Talk Period family members there. And I 
am just so thankful for all of your support from last year and I'm so excited to share 2022 with you all. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.